Luke 3:21 through 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Go ahead and be seated. Although, as awkward as it feels to be up here, I wish you guys could all stand too, because... That way I wouldn't be the only one feeling awkward. But I I don't think I'll make you do that. So Chris asked me, I think it was last weekend, if I would speak. And my first reaction was, let me make sure this is working. Right here. This was my first reaction. Obviously I was terrified. Um, And I thought, only a week to prepare? But I was kind of kidding myself because... I, I'm a last-minute kind of preparer, so it only takes one or two days to prepare. So um, I thought, I thought, you know, what can I do? What can I say? What, how can I get out of this? I thought I could pull Moses and say, I talk not good. You know, he kind of he tried to get one past God there. It didn't work so well for him. Um, last Sunday, I taught class in the morning, and we were talking about Amos and how Amos was just a simple farmer um, and how God can use people like that. Um, and how we see all throughout the Bible people that say they can't speak. Um, So I thought, you know, I just said that last week in our class that there's probably no excuse not to speak. So I thought this probably wouldn't go over well. So then I thought, hey, if I'm speaking, I'm getting to pick what I speak about. So I had a devious thought of I can talk about literally anything. And so that was kind of a beautiful thing. So the things I thought I could talk about were Nebraska football, but I think I would just be preaching to myself there, because probably not many of you care. I thought about elk hunting, but in this congregation, that's kind of like beating a dead horse, as often as that's talked about. Then I thought I could talk about taxes, but probably John Morgan and I are the only people that appreciate that, and I think everyone else would probably fall asleep. So what was I going to talk about? So I thought about it. I thought, what's something I'm going through that I'm passionate about? Actually, no, I didn't think about that yet. I looked at the day and thought, what are things going on July 23rd that I could preach about? Well, if you don't know, today is National Vanilla Ice Cream Day. It's National Hot Enough For You Day. And it's also Gorgeous Grandma Day. That one was... That one would be fun to preach on, but I, I don't know. That, that could go either way. So I was continuing to think, and I thought about what's going on in the world today, uh, what's going on this week, and for those of you who don't know, uh, this is probably the greatest week in television, um, and I definitely could talk about it. Uh, it's Shark Week, if you don't know, the in television. But I thought, you know, there's probably not a, bib- there's not a lot of biblical applications I could uh, get through Shark Week, so I thought, I better not do that. So I thought, what is something I'm going through that I could speak about? And that's fatherhood. Uh, as you, if you don't know, um, I'm a newer father. Eight months ago, our son Ansel was born. I loved this quote, a father is neither an anchor to hold us back, nor a sail to take us there, but a guiding light whose love, show us, whose love shows us the way. I really liked that quote. And so I thought, you know, if you got a boy like this, I could, I could at least kill some time by showing you pictures of him. I mean, 
I, I love to look at him. I don't know if you guys do. I think he's adorable, but I can understand if you don't. So, um, you know, I've got, I've got a couple seconds to kill. So why not just show you beautiful pictures of my son, which is great for me. Um, so fatherhood definitely has its challenges, I'm finding. Um, you never know what you're, gonna, you're getting yourself into until it's there. Um, but there's definitely, definitely biblical principles I've discovered through fatherhood. And the three biggest ones that I want to touch today, um, and I, I see these in different ways than being a father, but I see them definitely coming through the Bible. The first principle I found is patience. That is definitely something you need in fatherhood. The next one is selflessness. And the last one is appreciation. So it's these three things that I've definitely, um, I've definitely had my growth and my walk with God in these three things through fatherhood. And I want to look at uh, just a little bit at each, each of these three today. So let's first look at patience. When I thought about patience, it wasn't necessarily about being a new father, but it was the story of one man in the Bible who was about to become a father. And when I say about, that's a very relative term here. So why is patience needed in fatherhood or any time of life? I think this is a great example of why one might want to be patient. Uh, we're starting to go through this phase, so this is definitely something patience is good for. And then the food mess. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but it's getting close. So patience is definitely needed in fatherhood. Turn with me, if you will, um, to Genesis. We will be in Genesis 12 for a little bit this morning. This morning, and then we'll look at um, we'll look at a few things in Genesis. So, the definition of patience by Merriam-Webster is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, of suffering without getting angry or upset. So, turn with me to Genesis 12:1 through 2. And follow along as I read that. Now, the Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you." And make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So this is the first time in the Bible that we um, see of Abram, who we'll, we'll later find out becomes Abraham. And this is the first promise the Lord has made to Abram that his house will be great. So when God is saying that to him, he's saying that you're going to have a lot of descendants, and that the name of your house will live forever. So we figure out at this point through verse 4, that Abraham is 75 years old. He's 75 years old, and he hasn't had a child yet. So, I, I mean, a year is a year, and it's always been the same, same amount of time. So 75 years old is pretty astounding to me. So I think the oldest male in our church is John Free, if, I, if I'm thinking right, and he's 77. So imagine two years ago, and you're John's age, and the Lord is promising you, you're going to have so many descendants that your family tree is just going to be huge. Now, I don't know what you guys would think, but I would think, yeah, right. There's, there's no way that's, that's even a possibility. And so Abraham, through choice or not choice, is going to have to um, learn some patience here. And it's definitely not going to be something easy for him. We see this is the first time that God made this promise to Abram. And this is at 75, and Abraham and his family... Okay, so after this, after this promise, Abraham and his family are dispersed from their land for the next decade at least, 
and they're going from place to place. So in the back of his mind, Abraham, or Abram at this time, is thinking, what? How is this going to work? How am I going to have a ton of kids? How is this all going to be given to me through God? So definitely a factor of patience. Let's flip over to Genesis 15, 1 through 6, and follow with me as I read this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, for your very own shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heavens and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So your offspring shall be. And he believed the Lord, and he and it was counted to him as righteousness. So at least a decade has gone on from the first time uh, to where we're at now. So Abram, at the very least, is 86 years old here. He's 86, and he's hearing, you're still going to be a father. You're still going to have tons of descendants. I found this picture. So where we see the stars, there's so much city lights that you can't see them. So back in this time, I'm sure the night was beautiful, and it was lit up, and the stars were gorgeous. And God takes Abraham out there and says, fear not, for, if you, for you looking up, this is how many descendants you'll have. I think that picture is beautiful. And I just look back at that time, and I think, wow, what a promise from God, and what a loving God. So let's skip ahead to Genesis 21. And I'll read 1 through 6 here. The Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah, as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So Abraham was 100 years old at this point. I'm a new father, and I'm learning patience. But a 25-year-old patience test is not something that I've gone through yet. And I'm not, I'm not sure it's something I'll ever go through. I don't know. Um, I, I probably won't live to be 100 years old, I'm guessing. And luckily, I have a child already. But I think about Abraham and what that must have been like. What, it, what, what confusion and what times he must have had to go through. Uh, he waited 25 years from the first time the Lord promised him a son. And to go through that. So what I'm going through, I look back at Abraham and I think, what an example. What a powerful man that was. And what what a testament of patience we were see were shown here. How how tremendous a man Abraham was. And so the accountant in me, like a hundred years, that that baffles me. Um, so just for reference, what a hundred years would look like today, World War One was started in nineteen seventeen. So the time that Abraham was born to when he had his son, that's how long ago it seems. World War I seems forever ago. I mean, there's very few people alive today that 
uh, were alive during that time. Um, monthly utilities averaged in 1917 $4, which were for fuel, light, and for ice in the ice box. That's how much times have changed. Women will be allowed to vote in two years. So 98 years ago was the first time women could vote. And movies with words were still 10 years away. So I look back and I think, wow, 100 years. I think of what Abraham was and what a guiding light he was. And that the patience that he demonstrated is something that I can use and apply to my life daily. So patience is one of the first things that I've definitely learned through fatherhood. I found these quotes, and this is the, the top one was one I kind of summed up. While not always by choice, patience can be obtained by adhering to God's will for our lives. And then St. Augustine said, patience is the companion of wisdom and what power there is in patience. The next thing I, I've had to learn, um, I guess maybe not by choice, but definitely something you have to learn and have to learn quick for all the parents out here is selflessness and what a dependence a new life is. And it's pretty incredible how it happens overnight between, um, you know, having just your husband and wife scenario and then a child and how dependent that child is upon you. That's not, that's not something you can teach or tell somebody. Um, so for all the future parents, that's definitely a cool, a cool transition, but it, it has its challenges. When I think of selflessness, the greatest example in the Bible I think of is Hannah. What the story of Hannah is, is Hannah was married, um, she was one of two wives to Elkanah, and she was, um, she was married, and so I guess her sister wife, you could call it, I'm not sure what they called it back then, but um, she was able to have children, but for all this time, Hannah couldn't, and it really upset her. We talked about, or Chris talked about it not too long ago, the story of Hannah, um, but it really made me think about the selflessness that Hannah um, shows here. So I'm going to read First Samuel 9. Uh, just through the end of the chapter. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Now Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. She said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord their yearly sacrifice to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go, for she said to her husband, As soon as this child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until he was weaned. 
And when she had weaned him, she took him with her, along with the three-year-old bull, an ephah, and flour and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord was granted me my petition, then I made him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So basically what happened was Hannah prayed and prayed. Finally the Lord said, yes, you can have a child. And Hannah made, I, I think it's the hardest choice in what I see in the Bible, but giving up her son, and she had prayed for this boy for so long. And she made one, the, one of the most beautiful sacrifices she could. She said, Lord, you gave me this child, and I give him to you. And I, I've loved being a father. It's been great. And when I see this, I hope that in small ways I can do this every day. But in the big picture, it's so hard to think of, I just had this child, and now I, I let him go. I, I kick him out the door at two, and maybe two, I don't know, one. And, um, and he's, I'm no longer in his life. He's there for um, Eli, and he's there to serve God. And it, it kind of scares me just thinking about it, because there's no way I'd want to be away from my son for that long. But what power... And what a beautiful choice Hannah made to know that this is God's child. And I hope that I can do that through fatherhood, that I can raise my son in a way that demonstrates this love. The definition of selfishness, as stated, is the concern more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. There's another verse, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. I'll read that real quick. Do nothing from selfish ambition... Or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. I think this is the definition of selflessness. This last quote I found on on selflessness is by James Faust. It says, To be a good father and mother requires that the parents defer many of their own needs and desires in favor of the needs of their children. As a consequence of this sacrifice, conscientious parents develop a nobility of character and learn to put into practice the selfless truths taught by the Savior himself. I really liked that quote, and it does talk a lot about parenthood. Um, and it's not something I was ever really geared up for. I mean, I've always wanted to be selfless and follow Christ in this way, but it's definitely something learned through being a parent. So that's um, the second biggest thing, I think, besides patience, is selflessness. So the last thing I've really, um, I've really loved is the appreciation of life through um, parenting and through fatherhood. And I always kind of, um, growing up, I, my favorite part of the Bible is when God um, came down in the figure of the dove at Jesus' baptism and showed his expression and his appreciation for his son. Uh, the definition of appreciation through Mary Wester is the recognition of enjoyment of the good qualities of someone or something, and the other definition is a full understanding of a situation. And I found this um, through God in Matthew 3, uh, 13 through 17, and I'll read this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? 
But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for this is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, he immediately went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That's a pretty amazing picture, and that's one I find, that God came down through a different figure and just showed how proud he was of his Son and how much he appreciated it. Um, Mark 1.11 says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And it repeats the same, um, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased, in Luke 3.22, which Kyle read. Appreciation is a thing um, that fatherhood definitely is definitely needed through fatherhood. Um, and it's something that I've really had to adjust to, just to see life in a new light and to appreciate the love that God has for us is is really a great thing. And I'm so thankful that he does, that he loves us enough to send someone for us and that we could be with him one day. This is another quote I found. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. And I think in our walk with God, I I look at Jesus, um, God's son, and it wasn't the words he said, it was the life he lived and how powerful that is. I've loved being a father. I've loved... um, seeing God through this. It's been a great tool. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I hope to be a father again one day soon. Um, But it it is pretty incredible, and I'm so thankful for um, being Ansel's dad and learning love through that. But it's definitely made me appreciate my relationship with God more. And it's not so much that um, these three things are just needed through fatherhood. They're needed in general through life the patience that God has demonstrated to us, the selflessness that he showed sending his son to die in our place, and the appreciation that he pours upon us. And those three things, I think, are not just, like I said, not just through fatherhood, but there's something that we need to get back. We need to, we need to be patient in love in all the ways that God has shown us. We need to be selfless. And this is one of the hardest things to do as Christians, to give ourselves and not to worry about our own needs, but just to give and to give. And what a powerful thing that can be for this world. And then to appreciate. And it's not just to appreciate what we have, it's to show appreciation, to show gratitude. And there's been so many parents here that I've looked at and taken an example from, and I'm so thankful that I, I can see that. I see so many great parents in this congregation um, and, that have showed me these three qualities and showed life through that. And I, I hope that um, I can do that for my child. Um, and I, I do thank you all for being that guiding light. Um, and I think I thank God, too, because... These qualities just flow through him. So in closing, um, while these three principles are better understood in parenthood, it is important to see how our Father has demonstrated him in each of our own lives. Um, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll have a um, song of invitation. If, if you need prayers or if you want to be baptized and um, be part of the family, whatever you need, after after. The prayer, we'll have that. And I think, um, Chris, for the opportunity to speak, 
And I, I think the time I've had in the, in the past eight months and the, the light God's shown me through that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your gifts and your blessings and your love, Lord. And for each and every one of us, Lord, your patience. And we pray that we take, take the words that you show us and that we can each be like Abraham, that no matter the time, that we can be patient and loving, that we can see your work in all, Lord, and not rely on our own timing for everything, but to look to you, Lord. And that each of us could be like Hannah, who the greatest gift she ever received, she gave back to you. That all of us can be selfless in this way, that we can see the gifts in our lives and use them for you, Lord. And we thank you for your example of appreciation, for your love for us, and for sending your son to die in our place, Lord. And what a beautiful, beautiful life that was. And we thank you for um, your guiding light through that, Lord. And we pray that we can be we can be that to all, that we can be appreciative and that we can see your work um, and be grateful and pass that appreciation on, Lord. We thank you for this day. We pray that you be with us this week, that we can um, continually work towards um, being better for you, Lord, and that you will guide us and guide our hearts in all we do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and start.